Happy New Year and welcome to the last episode of 2021. I feel like we were just turning over this year and saying, yeah, it's going to be a new year. It's going to be exciting. Sorry if there's noise. I have a very needy dog that's with me. Hi. Can you breathe less loud? He's doing all his tricks for me. This episode is my interview on the Big Ass Runner podcast with Jeff. And I had him on the show, so go back and check him out if you haven't. He's so much fun. Best radio voice of all time. And I got to be on his show, and it was a super fun chat. I loved being on their episode, and we are going to flip-flop and play each other's interviews on our own podcasts with real technical terms, guys, so that everyone can hear them, and it will be fun. And you can go check out his podcast and this one. That's it. I'm going to leave it at that, guys. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Well, now joining us on the Big Ass Runner Hotline is the host of Trail Running Women. We have with us Hillary Spires. Hillary, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, and you were so nice to have me on your show, and I absolutely is like, I've got to have you on the Big Ass Runner as well. Although, as I kind of dug into your bio a little bit, I found, you know, hockey player since age three, kickboxer, cage fighter, jujitsu, triathlete, trail runner, obviously. I'm like, we need to rename this episode the Badass Runner because you've done a lot of cool things in your life. (laughs) Well, that would be an honor. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to dive into some of your athletic background and how you got into trail running. But I want the big-ass runner herd to orient and get get to know you a little bit. So tell us, you know, where you're from, where you are now, and kind of kind of what your everyday life is like. Yeah, sure. I'm actually up in Canada in Vancouver on the west side. So very rainy right now. We're deciding for the show. We're experiencing these things called atmospheric rivers where it's been exceptionally warm because of climate change. So we're just dealing with like crazy, crazy amounts of water and flooding so that's kind of the day-to-day is actually dealing with that stuff man yeah i know it's crazy sorry i don't need to go down that pessimistic route it's just what we're (laughs) living right now and as far as my day-to-day i'm 35 i have a toddler that's two i have a podcast and then i do coaching online for other runners and just try to get involved in the trail community any way that i can obviously like you just said i've played a lot of sports but i found that the satisfaction and the happiness I get from trail running is kind of different from any other sport and it comes from the community and the training days and just getting through like each workout as well as the races and the vibe of the races so uh, it really kind of drew me in because of the like rewards you get from it overall so yeah here I am and did you grow up in an athletic family and and did you grow up in in Canada and in that area that you're in now Yeah. So my older brothers, I have two of them, they played hockey. So obviously that's probably what made me want to start. I believe I was in ballet earlier. My mom wanted to put me in that and um, it may have been kicked out. (laughs) The story, something like, something like that. It wasn't going to be a sport for me. That seems on, that seems on, I don't know you that well, Hillary, but that seems on brand. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, it definitely, definitely did. It's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, And my dad still is a very good golfer at 73 and they're, still riding their bikes and walking a ton and my older brothers are athletic not to the same degree it's been kind of fun actually my middle brother is a writer and a fantastic kind of creative and then my older brother is a very very smart kind of analytic guy so we each had our own sort of 
sector to try to excel at. And uh, yeah, it was really outdoorsy family as well, just given the, the place that we live and the access to the mountains and the terrain. So skiing and hockey and running and all that sort of stuff, lots of typical Canadian ice sports as well. And I think you played hockey. Did you play like through college kind of a thing? I did, yeah. So I ended up playing down in the NCAA in Minnesota, actually, for a few years. And then I finished up and played in CIS in Canada as well. And then there was something called the NWHL back when I was younger with a women's professional league that I was lucky enough to be a part of. So that was kind of what I called the glory days. And then I retired in my young 20s. And that's when I started trying a bunch of other schools. And I have to ask you, because as I did a little bit of research, I, I saw a picture of you in a cage. looked like cage fighting. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that. Was it the hockey? You're like, I need to hit somebody? Or what? what tell us a little bit about that. You know, this is going to, okay. So I'm also kind of a geek when it comes to sports, I guess, in general. And that was something, that particular fight that you're talking about was a kickboxing match. And there was always something about, MMA or kickboxing or just boxing in general that really caught my eye and not the like having to hit somebody, but that it's really mental as well. And that it really fit in with being a defenseman in hockey where you're just kind of stuck one-on-one with somebody and you're trying to read what they're going to do. And if you can stay one step ahead, then you know where they're going to be open and you can hit them more about getting points in that respect than trying to actually hurt them, right? So it was something that I always just thought really fit with my athletic ability and then not having a, a huge amount of fear around things like that and thinking like this would be just a really fun thing to do because I had no finesse in hockey. I was a good defenseman, but I couldn't no no finesse. So this kind of took the stick hand a little way. I think that's what a lot of people don't, and, and I, I don't probably appreciate too, is the, the strategy in kickboxing and cage fighting, it's like there is a lot of strategy involved. You, you you can look at it and go, oh, it's just two people trying to beat each other up, but but that's actually not true at all. No, it's totally strategy. And of course, you want to be strong in all of those physical parts of it as well. But yeah, like you're not in there thinking like I want to hurt this person. And then afterwards, you're super nice to each other. And yeah, just kind of go on from there. So how did you transition from that into trail running? I'm very curious. So when I was training for that, this was a time that people had blogs, like, you know, moms would have blogs for like, I, I don't know, new mom stuff. I just had a baby. I should know. Or cooking and fashion or something. And I wanted to start um, some sort of blog around sports. And I thought, I must have been like 25. Maybe I'll just play every sport in the world once and write on it and try to learn like literally every single sport. I did not know there's actually 8,000 sports. There are so many, and they are ridiculous. So I got through, like, I don't know, 100. And then I was like, well, I better do a trail run. And Gary Robbins, who a lot of people know who he is from uh, the Barkley Marathon, has a race series here. And so I went to one of his races, and it was a really challenging race in the mountains here. And I got to the finish line, and I was like, oh, I'm actually not going to do anything else. I'm just doing this now. So you, you, I never were, did. you were hooked after one. Yeah. Yeah. And I trained by my brother and I were going for a hike and I was like, you know, I should probably just try to run a hundred meters and see what it's like to run in here. Um, cause I'm going to try to race this. And he was like, okay. And then I like ran and touched a tree and that was the extent of my training. But in the, I don't know what the train there is like, but in the Pacific Northwest, like it's roots, rocks, dirt, so technical that you just can't get your mind ever around ever trying to do anything other than 
basically walk or crawl on all fours over some of this stuff. So just learning to move quickly on it was such a, a cool appeal too. Well, I think that's, and we talked about this, the strategy behind, you know, kickboxing and things. I think that's what a lot of people don't appreciate too about trail running is the amount of strategy that, and we've talked about it on, on, on this show quite a bit, but I think most people don't appreciate the strategy that goes, I mean, er, to me, pretty much every part of a trail race is strategy and pivoting based on what's going on at the time, like triage, <laughs> like, uh-oh, you know, stomach's not feeling well, what do I do? Or gosh, I feel a little bit of a pain, you know, in my knee, what do I do? Or I'm about to run out of water. Well, you know, just, it's a series of kind of figuring things out and, and strategy and even the, like the, the terrain, do I take it easy here? Because I know I've got a lot of vert that's coming up or, you know, th- those sorts of things. I think it's just very interesting how much strategy is involved. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was actually kind of thinking the same thing a second ago, right, when we were talking about that. And I coach athletes um, oftentimes to say their first 100K or the first 50 mile. And I always say there's some things that, like, you just, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face beforehand. But until you're in that moment, you might not totally know how you need to solve that problem because it's going to be different in kilometer 80 of 100k and we're probably not going to train to that distance very often if at all so it's just a series of these small problems and learning and then they just become easy to solve and you're like oh that's right like my stomach's bad i know if i do this i'm going to be fine and you don't have to spend too much time thinking about it yeah i think as we've talked on the show it's it's taking all those things into consideration but also trying to figure out what might i engage in what during my run and let's try to experience that before like for example we're doing 100K in February. We're going to run into the night. If we've never run at night before, that's that's a problem. We could probably figure it out, but let's do some training at night. Let's let's try to anticipate. But to your point, you can't anticipate everything, or at least you can't anticipate the way you might experience it in that particular race. No, exactly. And that's sort of the fun of it. It's like, yeah, of course you're going to practice running at night, but you might get to where you're like, oh, I didn't know after my sixth hour of running at night that I get a huge bruise on my forehead and the only way I can wear a headlamp comfortably is over a buff. And those are just like, you got to get there. And then you know that that's what you got to do. And also figuring out that headlamps have more than one setting, which I, uh, I learned the hard way. So <laughs> those, those are the lessons. Yes, definitely. And there, there are many different brightnesses. And the last race I did, my last hundred K actually was through the entire night. So there was 11 hours of darkness. So oh my a goodness. good headlamp a really good one might last at full battery for six hours. So you had to have a backup plan there. Yeah. Our first, our first uh, night race was a loop. It was, I think a six mile loop that we did three times. So the first couple of loops, I'm like, okay, this seems okay, but I just, I feel like I'm stumbling around a little bit and I was just messing with my headlamp because it was hurting my head and I hit something and it hit the bright button. I went, Oh, okay. I can actually see now. This is really cool. Oh, well, that's so funny. Well, I know you've done lots of different distances and have, are a very accomplished trail runner, but I, I think I buried the lead earlier because there's one thing that you've done that I think we need to talk about, or at least I want to ask you about. And this was in 2019. Okay. This was 2019. You ran the Ridge Run 13K trail race. You came in yeah. first. You were the first woman overall, and you were four months pregnant. Tell us about that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's been pregnant around the four-month mark, you feel pretty good. And it was actually snowing. There was about a foot of snow. And I had 
had a really lucky time kind of up until that point and didn't have to take very many pauses in training. And I was working with my good wife and being smart about it and all those things. And yeah, just felt really good. And it was fun. And the people, a couple of the men that had came in right behind me were not as excited to learn <laughs> that the pregnant runner had been done. But, but it was fun. And the community here is, is really great. So a lot of people knew and were supportive. And yeah, it was just a fun thing fun thing to do and I was lucky enough to get to run a lot through my pregnancy actually it's like your, your daughters won a race and she didn't even know it it was awesome mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> well Hillary I'd love to now transition into your podcast so you're trail running you love it you run one and you're hooked and you're you're running these different races what made you decide hey let's start a podcast that's a really good question how did that all come together <laughs> okay so I ran the first race and it was 13k and then I was like, I need more. And I signed up for a 55K that was two weeks later and suffered through that, as you can imagine. So 13K and then and then 50K two weeks later. Yeah. And I don't recommend that to anybody, but <laughs> um, kind of one of those all or nothing, which I think is a relatable thing in, in traffic. Yes. And I think during that run was the first time I'd experienced, because I hadn't done a lot of running, conversations you have with other runners for a long time. Yeah. I remember at like four hours thinking like, okay, I can't be that much longer. And then asking the guys that I was running with, how long do you think this will take? And one of them said, oh, probably nine or 10 hours. And I was like, oh, shit. that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> but we started for like three or four hours. And then I was telling my uh, boyfriend at the time, was now my husband about the race and kind of talking about how amazing it was to feel like I was in this adventure way lost in the mountains. Cause it's, rugged crazy terrain out here but what was more focusing on these amazing conversations i had with people because i just basically went to hell and back with somebody i'd never met before and we went through like our whole life stories and went through highs and lows together and then um one of the things that's been just like a regular part of my life always is that i find a sport and then i want to do really well at it so then i start researching everything there is to know about it currently trying to learn tennis that's a stupidly hard game but when it was back to the running, I started listening to all the podcasts. And so this was seven-ish years ago now, and none of the podcasts were hosted by females. And there actually weren't that many trail running podcasts, not nearly as many trail now. And then, you know, a year or two of racing and running more and getting more involved in the community and having this type of thing of talking to people come more and more and listening to more podcasts. Finally, I was listening to one, and a guy said, there are still no more female hosts. And if you're a female and you might want to start a podcast you can just do it and I thought oh okay and that was almost four years ago now it was four years ago in the summer amazing and I recorded three episodes and didn't know what to do with them I just recorded them and they sat there on my computer for like three months before I thought can you go look and see if I can figure out how to edit one of these and there was no rhyme or reason to it I just started talking to people on the phone or through Skype back then and now I use a different program yeah and then just put them out. And there was obviously just a need for it. And it grew really fast. And it's been so much fun. Well, it's amazing to see uh, trail running women has grown so well. I think, I think you're, did you say year three or so? I think you're about a year ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. Just finishing up year, I guess the time that they actually published, it'll be four years in October 2022, probably. That's awesome. And yeah. I only know that because 
it was when I got married. So it's the same. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get married. Let's start a podcast. Well, I, I get a sense, Hillary, that you like challenges. So it sounds like this was one of those challenges like, Hey, let's go figure this thing out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there was no pressure. Like it didn't have to be anything. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. But the female space just must have been needed. And it really did just catch on really fast. And I think it was just women saying like, I want to do this thing. And am I the only one out there doing it? And we had to make our community like uh, find a way to reach each other. So that was just a part of how it works. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. And which, which is why I was so honored to, to be on your show. And I, I really, really appreciate you asking me to be on. And I'm sure that the show has evolved over the last you know, three plus years, but tell us about the show now. What, what is, cause I think while our shows are very different in terms of the format, I think we're very similar in that we try to tell stories about the everyday runner. So tell us a little bit of kind of the heart of trail running women. Yeah, exactly. You just hit the nail on the head. And like we have had probably 10 or 12 male guests now. And it's been kind of people like you who I think connect the two worlds of what we're trying to do and have similar goals and aren't just talking to professionals. And what it was was like, if you have run a hundred miler, for example, that most women who have done that and completed one, if they're not a pro, have a lot of other things going on in their life. So the stories became almost more about what's going on in their life and their story and how running fit into that instead of just about their running story. And I think that's what kind of drew people in. And we've had anything, everything from people who have used running to get over eating disorders to losing a parent and overcoming a divorce or being a single mom and thinking like, if I can accomplish this, I can do anything and that sort of thing. And that's what makes it relatable is people being like, oh, I don't need to have 20 hours a week. I can literally be a nurse and have two kids and no support and find a way to make it work if I really want to. And that is what has inspired other people and drew people in. And it's really just about giving women a place to tell their story and a platform to tell their story who otherwise maybe wouldn't be heard. One of my first guests, Lori, was in her 50s, and she'd run 10 100-milers. A 200-miler is an amazing volunteer, and like no one has really ever taken the time to sit down and look at her accomplishments before um, because it's just not in her nature to be like, oh, guess what I've done. So her having this opportunity to just get to talk about it and spread out what she's done meant a lot to her, and then it meant a lot to everybody who listened. So it's been really fun, and it has nothing to do – like I don't actually say a lot in my – podcast it's quite easy because everybody's an expert in their own story so i just say like tell me about you and then they do well being on this side of the mic i know while it may seem like you don't you know say a lot or the gift of being able to guide a conversation and and help someone tell their story is is definitely a gift and you have that you know i think too something you said made me think of this you know we all admire you know, the Jim Walmsleys and the fill-in-the-blank Courtney Dewalters of the world. We, we admire those people. But I think when you see someone who has a full-time job, who's juggling kids and trail running and training for these big ultra races, it's almost like my admiration for those people, the ones that are you know trying to strike this balance and stay healthy and and run for a, you know the, the why. And we'll talk about your why here in a, in a bit. To me, those are the stories that I can not only relate to, but are even more inspiring to me because of all the 
conflicting things that they've got to balance and figure out in their lives. Yeah, hundred percent, exactly. And I was just going to reiterate exactly what you said. It's like it's one thing to be able to sit on the couch and recover between your two a days. It's a completely other thing to be trying to pay the bills as well as train and eat properly and take care of others. So yeah, hundred percent. Yep, yep. Those those are the true heroes, I think. <laughs> Well, we, we talked about, we mentioned why a little bit. I would love to hear, you know, in one of our favorite segments that we do here on the Big Ass Runners, we have our listeners you know, share their why from time to time. Would love to give you the opportunity to do that as well. What, kind of, Hillary, why, why do you run? You know, it it's changed a lot through COVID. And I think it's kind of been an interesting thing to look at. I think I have a lot of different layers to why I run. And I think... To be honest with you, there's probably a part of it, we talked about my hockey career earlier, where I had a bunch of big goals and some of them I didn't make, namely the Olympics. And I think there was like this need to think that I don't want to waste any athletic ability or I don't want to consider myself a failure. So maybe this is something I can succeed at. And there might be some motivation that maybe isn't super healthy, but it's been interesting to kind of look at. And then a completely other side of it where... It's just the community, and like I talked about earlier, the satisfaction of getting to a workout, like a run that has intervals because it is mentally challenging but physically challenging as well, is really satisfying. And then the friends I've made have been, probably for the first time, the camaraderie of like the happiness I feel for a friend who accomplishes a goal or does well at a race is equal, if not greater, to the excitement I have if I achieve a goal. Yeah. And I haven't found that in any other sports. And even like when you guys talking about doing your 100K, like I'm thoroughly excited for you guys to do it and to do really well. And however it goes, and you're going to have such a blast and such an adventure. And, and that's so cool because we know each other, but, you know, we're across two countries. And so to actually have that excitement for you is so cool. And then the last thing I think is just the thrill of it. Like, like you said, you're running at night. And the last race I did was at night in Cougar and Bear country. And there was a sign at 3 a.m. by myself that was like Cougar in area. And I, you know, hallucinated one standing there. And like, that's something that if there wasn't a race, I'm not going out to that part of the world with a headlamp. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so there's just, there's a little bit of a thrill to it for sure. Some sort of a general rush. Yeah, I played basketball in high school and you know, I will never stand at the free throw line, you know, with the game on the line, feeling that those nerves and that adrenaline, you know, or shooting a three point. Yeah, I don't I won't have that anymore. But I can toe the line like we did last weekend for fifty K and feel those same nerves of excitement and pushing myself and, and trying to accomplish that. So I think that's totally true. I think it's it's this idea that I want to continue to try to challenge myself and try to rise to the occasion of doing something big. I'm sure you get this all the time for your, from your you know non-trail running friends. It's like, why do you do that? Why why would you why would you get up at you know 5 a.m. and drive somewhere and run 32 miles? It's like, why wouldn't I do that? Why why wouldn't I want to challenge myself a little bit? So I, I think you're right that that thrill of accomplishment that you maybe had earlier in your athletic career, you can still have through trail running. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to be, um, and I think we talked about this a bit before where it's different in trail running than in road running. And maybe because it is just this personal challenge of getting, just getting to the finish line and the different adventure that that is for everybody instead of just about being paced or beating the next guy to you. So there's something that just, I think it must be, I don't know what the right word is here, 
it just must be something innate about being in the wilderness that is good for people too. That's well, true. So, yeah, we know that. Right? Love that. Yes. And my wife has hit the stage. My youngest is about to leave, leave for college. So she's in a new, different kind of nesting phase where she is bringing home a different plant every day. And so I'm getting that sense in my own household now. It's awesome. Oh my goodness. It's like a, it's like a trail run just getting from my kitchen to my bedroom. It's incredible. Oh my God, that's so funny. Is she going to get out there and run, do you think? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess it's her it's way of... Yeah, this is her way of creating an adventure, I think. You know, I wanted to go back to something you said. And I think it's it's absolutely correct, which is, I think, trail. And I'm sure there's other sports that do this, but I can't think of any off offhand. You said, and I totally agree, when someone, else, like a friend or even someone that you, you know a little bit, I, I'm going to... I've got a running coach now and he's got a team. When someone on his team accomplishes something, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so great. At what other sport will someone go out and, and pace a friend or even, we're going to have some people pace us out in Arizona that just listen to the show, never met us. They're going to go out and spend their time pacing us. And I think of crews. If you've ever crewed for someone, you see like it is, it is not necessarily always a fun role to play. You're, you're helping bandage, uh, blisters and you're helping you know, you're probably watching some gi issues and trying to triage and, and help and support and what other sport would you want to do that just so that you can help someone else you know cross that finish line i think that is absolutely a huge part of trail running yeah i don't i don't think there is one i think the, i run 100 miles for a charity and the crew was so supportive and so amazing and there was a lot of just like sleeping in the car, bored, waiting. Like, it's, you're basically just waiting with your crew. Yeah. And I, it was 100% the best day of my life. Like, it was better than any bachelorette party or any crazy thing like that. It was so much fun just because it was, like, this team effort to get this thing done and how everybody, like, came together and took jobs and got it done and kept each other going. It, it was It was so awesome. Yeah. I'm going to get the opportunity to crew in. I've never done, actually never done it. And I get the opportunity to do that in January for a race called Rocky Raccoon. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. It's just this idea of giving back too. I think, you know, we've, we've done aid stations before. We love doing that just because you can support and give back. And again, I just think that's, that's such a unique and interesting and, and awesome part of trail running. Are you going to do just crewing or are you doing any pacing as well? I think I'm just crewing. Like I, I'm sure you've done pacing. I have this fear that I'm gonna let my runner down. <laughs> like, no way. Like trip, no, trip, or go too slow. Or I have paced one person. She was she was doing a mar a trail marathon, and she asked me to do the first five miles with her. I'm like, okay, I can do that because I'll be fresh. You'll be fresh. It'll be great. So I, I have a little bit of a fear, honestly, Hillary. No, you'll be awesome because your radio voice is so good that you could tell stories and you will get people like out of their body. So pay someone from their like last 30 K of something stupid long and just come armed with stories. And that is the best thing when you're running in the dark place to, to have my last pacer, I was suffering so bad. And he just started talking about like the heart rate of bears when they hibernate and like, <laughs> but I was like, that is so interesting. And then I just forgot that I was in any pain. So I think you would be a uh, pacer extraordinaire if you ever get the opportunity. Well, I appreciate that. I, I can ramble on and it'll be beneficial. That'll be great. I love it. 
Exactly. <laughs> well, I've got some really, you know, we're, I'm kind of known for my hard hitting questions. So I don't know if you're ready for this or not, but I've got some really okay. hard hitting, okay. like this, these are the things that I'm known for. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Favorite cookie. Oh, um, do you guys have Subway? You have Subway in the US, right? We do. You know, when like you happen to get a white chocolate macadamia nut oh, cookie that yes. just came out of the oven at Subway, the warm one? Yes. I think that. Yeah, we have we have a, an ongoing debate with myself, Stephen, and several of our listeners on the best cookie. That one has not come up. I liked it. Actually, it's funny you say that because we, my son and I, were going to watch his his uh, girlfriend play volleyball, and we the only thing in the town was a subway, and they had just made some of the macadamia, and it came out of the oven, and I got one, and it was great. Not as good, yeah, not yeah. as good as a snickerdoodle. That's that's my personal favorite, but you know, a snickerdoodle. Yeah, do you guys, do you guys have snickerdoodles where you are? No, so you're gonna have to try to get some. Oh customs my gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna mail you some. I, my daughter makes the best ones, and I will have her make some when she's home for Christmas, and I will send you some. Amazing. There's no Snickers in them. I don't know why they're called snickerdoodles. It's like a sugar cinnamony kind of a cookie. It's really good. What about favorite <laughs> favorite piece of gear? You know, so my friends all make fun of me because I am like a giant old cotton t-shirt i will take over a performance t-shirt any day so like rain or shine i'm stopping wet in like an xxl cotton pajama t-shirt you and courtney are the same like she just wears her gym shorts that's just what she likes it's awesome yeah it's the best (laughs) all right what about aid station food do you have a go-to yeah i do so sometimes i have to bring it myself so they don't but you know the noon electrolyte tab Yes. Steven is a huge so fan. So I like, yeah, I like to just eat them. So I don't mix them with any water. I just chuck it back there, maybe two, and crunch them. And then there's definitely some burps that come. But wow. it is like, I'm sure it's terrible for you <laughs> and bad for your teeth. But uh, I got a real kick out of it. And is this during, this is during a race. You'll just chew like it's a Flintstone vitamin, chug some water with it, and off you go? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. If it's a really long race, I'll mix a Tylenol in with it, and it's like oh wow, magic potion. Dang, probably cheating. That's yeah, a, that's a major pro tip right there. We're getting some, <laughs> we're getting some major value going on. What about so you've run the race, and I don't know if you're like me. Right after a race, I'm not hungry, but usually, you know, it kicks in about maybe an hour or two after. What's your favorite post race meal? You know, that's funny. I ask this question to a lot of people too. And I don't know. It's so hard because every time I know what it is, somebody else has another option. I think like I just have to go standard salty fries and salty chips. Like I think I do a lot of sugars in the race and I just need some salt or like a a big burger. But nachos and someone else's bacon would be good too. So I'm maybe just burger and fries. It's so dull, but it's really good. You know what? That's mine too. Uh, burger and fries. Sometimes pizza sounds really good, but burger and fries and a craft beer to me is the winning combo. You know what I'm looking forward to for your race recap is we call it uh, Dawes. So you know how you have delayed onset muscle soreness? Yeah. We get delayed onset hunger after long races, my friends and I. So I would like to know after your 100K, how many days you are are insatiably hungry for <laughs> My guess is the answer will be many, many, many days. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I have a big appetite anyway, and I can't imagine after 100, 100K what it'll be like. <laughs> so do you have a dream race? Is there a race you're like, hey, this is at the top of my bucket list for a dream race. I would love to do this race sometime. 
you know, my honeymoon and I, we did, my, my husband and I, for our honeymoon, did a 90K in the pool ball. Oh, wow. That it was just the most epically beautiful. Like, I can't even describe to you what those mountains look like. It was like a painting. And so they have a, a 360K version of that place. And I would love to go back and do the whole route, I think, is the first one that comes to mind. And how far did you say you went? We did 90K, but there's a 360K option. You did a 90K on your honeymoon. I did. And I beat them by six hours. Oh. And I was like, is that it? Are we doing Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, so, and there's a three, you say 360K option as well? Yeah, yeah. So you just start, obviously, further back. And I think you, it's not a stage race, but there are places to sleep if need be, which you probably would need to a little yeah, bit in there. That's a big one. And I imagine there's a ton of vert on that course, too. It's got to be. Yeah, so the 90K had 6,000 meters. So that's like 20,000 feet, right? Goodness gracious. Making me tired. Okay, so the next question that we have fought over this next one on this show, we have fought with listeners over this next question, and I don't, I think it translates where where you live, but how do you feel about pumpkin spice? (laughs) Yes, it definitely translates. You know, that's a good question. It's another one of those dividing ones, like vaccines, I feel like. Oh my gosh, Um, this this one probably divides us more than any other (laughs) on this show. (laughs) From like a mom and pop coffee shop, as much as it's too commercial, I still think I'm going to buy in and do it occasionally. So... I'm going to have to be, like, pro-pumpkin spice. All right. Oh, does that make me, like, hoity-toity? No, I don't know. No, we're we're same. I, I, like, I like the flavor. I, I get, I do get the frustration because it does seem like they try to throw it in everything. But I like it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to apologize for it. I like it. Good. And hold strong. You know what? It's like Christmas. Like, they've made that way too commercial. But I'm not going to not do Christmas. Like, I still like it. Exactly. So, you just got to take the good of the bad, I guess. That's right. That's right. Well, it's like Christmas decorations. I love Christmas decorations, but let's tap the brakes on when they need to be up. Like, let's don't creep Not into October the other. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, I guess if, so we have someone put the lights up on our house and, and he called and said, when do you want me to do it? I'm like, well, do it as soon as possible because I'm paying you the same either way and I can enjoy them longer. So I guess, I don't know, you know, whatever anyone wants to do, I guess it's fine. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Put them up. Okay. Last question. Okay. And we're going to take trail running off the table. This is just bucket list. Besides Latvia, I'm sure Latvia is at the top of your list, but what is the number one place you want to visit someday? That is so hard. You can't ask people that without a heads up. (laughs) I'd have to just anywhere in Western Europe. I'm obsessed with everywhere there. So I don't know. I'm gonna. Have, I'll have to pick a mountain. Just pick a mountain. And I don't know. Also, I don't know off the top of my head. You know what? Actually, Greece. I'm gonna say Greece. Greece. I've always wanted to go there, and it hasn't hasn't worked yet. Yep. Yeah, I've not. What's yours? I've not been to Europe at all, other than landing in Heathrow. So I've like that whole thing. I, there's so many on my list. High on my list too, though. And we actually have. You probably do too. We have a lot of listeners in Sydney, Australia. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. I think there's a pretty good running community there. And by, by the way, shout out to all you folks in Sydney that are listening to the show because I really appreciate it. I see the numbers like, wow, there's a lot of people in Sydney that listen. 
That's a, that's so a, many. And I've interviewed a few people from Australia and they are like the nicest, funnest people. And we still talk on Instagram. They're awesome. They're, yeah. Well, first of, first, so first of all, they have the coolest accent. And two, yeah. it's just, they're so nice. They're great people. So that's, that's yeah. I'm, like, I'm going for a run and there's just like kangaroos and koalas. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a fair. Well, Hillary, it's been great having you on the show. I'd love for you to let people know how they can get in touch with you. Obviously, go listen to your podcast, Trail Running Women. How else can people connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Trail Running Women on all the podcast platforms. And, and thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Um, and I love what you guys are doing. I love your podcast. I'm so stoked we got to collaborate. If you want to reach out to me for anything, um, I'm Hillsport55 with one L, so H-I-L Sport 55 on Instagram, and that's probably the best way, and I can direct you to my website and stuff from there if we need to chat, but there's a link in my bio as well that's got all the, what are they called, link trees? It's got all the stuff there. Link tree, yeah. Well, Hillary, I think one of, the, one of the things that I've experienced, and I'm sure this is the same for you in doing a podcast in the trail running world, is the people that you get to meet, the community that builds around it. And the people like yourself that, that I would never, you know, I would never in a million years have met you, Hillary, if, if not for trail running and, and the podcast that we both have. So it's been a joy kind of getting to know you a little bit. I really want to say how amazing your podcast is, the success that you've had, because, you know, being a podcaster myself, I know how much work it goes into it. So congratulations on that. And like I said, getting to know you and, and get us getting to meet has been one of the, the biggest joys. So thank you. Well, thank you. That's awesome to hear. And, and you guys, too. I think your podcast is doing a lot of good things for, for people. And, yeah, like I said, I'm excited to see your race, and I hope that there's a race recap and some well, awesome, Hillary. Thanks so much, and let's stay in touch.